You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the X-Men, Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. <laughs> no, this is the, the second installment of my podcast, Mr. Doc Coyle. I am your X-Men, and it's been a pretty crazy week. We put out the first episode with John Berklin and gotten a pretty, pretty crazy response the you know the stuff in my personal social media was above and beyond anything i expected people really took to it in a in a way that was you know i i really couldn't couldn't believe just the the outpouring of support and you know not too dissimilar from some of the bigger writing pieces i've done or as that kind of groundswell started to to get going so i'm really I don't know. I was pretty blown away by 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 what happened. Uh, we had some big sites pick it up. Revolver, who really hasn't covered um, any of the stuff I've done lately, they they picked it up on their online stuff. Um, one thing that really blew me away that I couldn't, I had no idea, didn't expect what happened was that we hit up to thirty three on the iTunes podcast charts for in the music category, which for a brand new show is pretty amazing we're doing this independent i have no sponsors i have no networks i have no one else really promoting this outside of myself so that's incredible thank you everyone who downloaded this everyone who shared it um yeah it's 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 really kind of crazy you know because i didn't really know what to expect with this and hopefully it'll just keep getting better and keep moving forward i will say if you do want to help the show please go on itunes leave a comment, rate it, spread it around, tell your friends. This is definitely something, the more engagement I get from you guys on that level, definitely the more notoriety the show will get, the better the guests will get, the more I can do this and invest in this because it's something I, I really believe in and, and enjoy. On that note, I would like to segue into a different part of the show. I'm going to be doing some experimenting, playing with the format but I look at this as a creative venture and a way to spread, or maybe not spread, but share, that's a better way to put it, a way to share kind of my philosophy on the world with people. All art is a form of communication. And I want to kind of share a theme, you know, and perhaps each week I will 
pick a theme and just talk about things. Talk, you know, give a maybe a five minute little mini verbal blog about some things that maybe won't fit in the article. And there's something that's been on my mind. And it's about the the idea of holding grudges and about the idea of exerting negative energy towards people in in a way that takes effort. And this is something that really, really bothers me. The idea of of seeking revenge or vengeance. We have a presidential election going on right now that will hopefully be resolved within the next week or so. And uh, one of the guys who's running, Mr. Donald Trump, I'm sure you guys know him, and I'm I'm definitely not here to tell people who to vote for or to say who's right or wrong, left or right, any of that stuff. Maybe I will, but not right now. But he, he had a quote in this speech that he gave that was telling to me. And quote, get even with people. If they screw you, screw them back 10 times as hard. I really believe it. End quote. And me telling that it's not to really have a conversation about Donald Trump, but it has to do with the idea of, of how we day to day, how we spend our, our time and our energy. And I'm definitely of, of the mind that if someone does me wrong, so to speak, I don't sit around thinking about ways to get them back. There's a prominent musician that probably almost everyone that's listening to this has at least heard of. And I'm not going to name their name. I'm not going to out them. But this person doesn't like me because of someone else I'm friends with. I have no problem with them, but they don't like me because they don't like someone else I'm friends with. And the first day I moved to Los Angeles, I went to say hello to this person who previously we were okay with. And this person ignored me and essentially ignored me every single time I ran into them at a show or, a, or out somewhere at a party. And it really, really hurt my feelings um, in a way because when you feel no ill will towards someone and yet they are they feel that way towards you and and feel that it's in their in their interest to exert that it can be devastating i think when you're the type of person that doesn't want to engage the world that way the thing is when i have a problem with someone either if the problem is me with them or vice versa i want resolution to that problem I want to figure out what our differences are and tie those loose ends together. This type of drama filled, just, I I don't want to call it hate. I don't, I maybe in a sense, it's a form of amplified indifference, but it's not helpful, especially when we're all involved in the same industry. We all love music we love heavy metal, heavy music, what it's done for us. And to me, what sets this little subculture apart 
is the community, is that we're, for the most part, pretty much all friends. And with that, I say, instead of holding grudges and thinking about revenge, we should become resolution-oriented. Holding those things just deteriorates the best of our potential. And this person who doesn't like me, anytime you want to bury the hatchet, I'm all on board. I definitely will not, uh, I will not hold, any, hold any grudges moving forward. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. And to move on to the guest portion of the X-Man, in a, in a more positive and lighter note, someone I'm sure no one has grudges for, Mr. Angel Vivaldi, the incredible guitar player and good friend I've known for many years, at least 10 years at this point. I'm so proud of this guy, everything he's done. And it was really gracious of him to come on the the show. And he's just amazing. And if you don't know, you should definitely check his stuff out. He's a solo guitar player. He just got off tour with Gus G. And yeah, check out our conversation. Say something. Testing one, two, one, two levels. All right, good. I'm going to give you a little more Give me some juice. reverb. No, we, there's no reverb. <laughs> All right. Was that, was that uh, WNYW? There's that one station in, in Jersey that, that, oh, yeah. that, that uh, plays. That, there's like reverb on everything. Talk radio. It's a 105.1, I think. Yeah. 
It's, it sounds like they're in the hallway that's never ending. Who the fuck's idea was... <laughs> that shit is strange. No, it's shot, man. All right. So, see, I, I, I noticed this tick. I do I do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what the, what the hell. I don't do that in real life. <laughs> but when I'm on the mic, I do that, it. That, that's that's your, uh, your anxiety tick, man. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but thank, thank God for editing. I can edit it out. And I can Pop sound... I can sound articulate. Articulate. <laughs> Gotta enunciate, boo. It helps. It helps. I'm trying. Listen, I'm in the broadcasting game now, brother. Oh, that's it, man. You gotta step your game up. Come on. That's right. I'm trying to trying to get, get get my radio voice. Hello. Hello, greetings. Okay, but seriously, <laughs> this is the X Man podcast. I have welcome my my old friend Angel Vivaldi. Glad to be here, man. Fellow guitar player. Fellow New Jerseyan, fellow like off white, sort of brown. It's kind of yeah, brown, right? like you know, racially ambiguous <laughs> dude. You know, we gotta stick together. That's what's up. You know, to confuse confuse people. <laughs> <laughs> so I I told you a little bit about what the what the show is about. Mm-hmm. The X Men people who who did some shit, and now you're doing some other shit. Right. So I think it's it's really important for me to bring up how. I first became aware of you, and that was, I think you were playing, was it Connections? Oh, no, maybe I think it was just Dingbats. It was yeah. one of those, one of the the great rock and roll venues of <laughs> Clifton, New Jersey, <laughs> in the mid, mid-2000s. Mid so, for people who don't know, Black Market Hero was the kind of posthumous band for a very popular new metal band from Jersey called 40 Below Summer. And I remember it was kind of like, it was like, yo, man, the dudes from 40 Below got this new band and they got this guitar, this dude, man, it was like, you know, virtuoso. <laughs> and I remember seeing you and the thing I loved about you was not only that you were shredding and doing some crazy stuff, but you, right out of the gate, you had like a, a flair for performance and a flair for like, you know, just you were you were, you already stood out in a band with people who were supposed in a to band be with Max Illich. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and that's a character right there, man. That's, there you go. Well, but, well, I'm just saying that that definitely. So that was my first introduction. So, so how did how did you end up getting involved with with that band? Uh, well, Forty. Um, so essentially, it was you know the guys were Forty Below, and then two members from Flaw. Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize it was Flaw guys. Yeah. Uh, so Micah was a drummer for Flaw, and so was Ryan, who I actually wound up replacing. Um, and uh, someone told me that they were auditioning guitarists, and at that point, I had already released my debut album, which I, you know, did my by myself back in two thousand eight. So it was still like instrumental. Yeah, all instrumental. Um, and you know, back in the MySpace days, I hit them up and. You know, apparently they were doing submissions for some other guys, but they couldn't get the video content or whatever submissions together. Like, how, how old were you at this time? Man, I was, uh, whew, 2008, probably like early 20s, like 20, 21, So maybe. you were significantly younger than the other guys. Yeah, yeah. Those guys were, I think, at that point, like around th- early, mid-30s. Um, and, uh, you know, they took a look on my MySpace page. They saw that I can play a little bit. And they were like, come in for an audition. MySpace. That's <laughs> MySpace. So, that's, so, that's so cute. So yesterday. And uh, we went into that room, man. And it was just magic. We had great chemistry, you know. And uh, showed them a few of my riffs. A few songs that I was working on for my solo stuff. And, um, you know, we instantly hit it off. And that was that. So what? how long did that last? And what? how did it come to an end? 
I uh, was with them for about two years, um, maybe a little bit over two years. We did one demo. We were always working on that full album that everyone always talked about. Everyone like, hey, so what's going on f- You know, with Black Market? Yeah, we're still working on that album. Two what years happened? Ago. What happened? <laughs> what happened, bro? Man, I was 20 and I was hungry, man. You know, I had that fire. It's like, you know, it's just wanted to make moves and unfortunately other guys like they had houses and families and mm-hmm. um you know and it's just you know it was just kind of holding me back from what i really wanted to do you know um but it, i'm still really cool with all those guys and they understood you know they so knew. you you left while it was still like an active thing i mean it was kind of dying down okay i mean it was pretty evident um and i didn't want to waste my time i had some other opportunities and stuff like that that i wanted to explore so Okay, so that so that ends. And like I said, this is the X Men, baby. We're talking about <laughs> when shit is over. Done. <laughs> so so you're so you're done with that. Yeah. And is at that point that you decide, all right, I'm going to focus on being more of a solo artist and focus on instrumental music. Yeah, you know what the interesting thing was, I always had a feeling in my gut. That it was. By the way, guys, he's pointing at his gut. I'm pointing at my gut because I'm I'm Spanish and Italian. We talk with our hands, you know. I'm hoping that they can feel this magic that I'm doing we with need my hands. Some type of audio <laughs> way to convey the Jersey talking. All right, listen. That's it, man. You know. So, but yeah, you know, I always kept my solo project active. You know, even when I was with Black Market, um, I recorded a demo with Max and Micah, who have been producing Black Market Hero stuff. And um, when I did that, my solo career started taking off. So I always felt a little bit secure with that, you know, because um, that's the one thing I feel like I can easily maintain. I don't have to really count or depend on anyone to do something. I could just do everything myself. Um, so when that blew up, you know, when Black Market Hero, you know, I left and they didn't want to disbanding afterward. I just focus 100 percent on that. And uh, thankfully, I did. <laughs> so this was around like 2010? 2009, I released that second EP. Yeah. The, sec- the, the second EP. So you mm-hmm. so you got this EP, and, and how are you making a living at this point besides music? Or is music even weighing in? Are you just doing it for fun at this point? No, I mean, that. this is it. This is my mainstream of income. I no, mean, no, no. I know now. I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about in 2009. Oh, nine. oh man. No, I was working full time. Where, where were you working? I was working, uh, I was living in Brooklyn at the time. I used to do billing and collections for a maid service. Billing same- and collections. Like, yes. is that, does that sound like, because me, I'm picturing you rolling up on people like, yo, man. <laughs> Where's the money, man? That was me. That was me. They got a guy from Jersey to, you know, uh, harass people for, like, not paying their bills. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're, so you're doing that. Are you, at this time, are you teaching as well? No, I didn't start teaching. Um, I definitely, I didn't feel like I had the the capacity or the knowledge, really, or maybe the confidence to really teach. Because I'm self-taught, you know, when yeah. I was growing up. It wasn't no lessons, uh, no support either. <laughs> they were like, stop playing the guitar kind of thing all the time. But, uh, you know, for me, I mean, it was just like, you know, sticking with a full-time job. I mean, and that was really important. And I tell people this all the time, you know, make sure you have a really awesome full-time job. Make sure that, you know, you bust your ass at it so that you can invest back into yourself. And that's exactly what I did. So you're, you're definitely a proponent of I mean, should, is it, should we call it the backup plan or, or is, that, is that a bad way to put it? Or is it, or is it more like a subsidizer? I mean, I always, I would say more like a subsidizer only because, you know, in this day and age, like the game has changed so many times. Every two years is different. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. if you get married to a certain way, boo-boo, you're going to be in for a rough divorce. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you better get yourself a good lawyer. 
<laughs> but, um, but yeah, but you know, and I always, you know, and I really busted my ass with those full-time jobs and I, and everyone loved the work that I did. So that gave me more leniency to go out and, you know, take a long vacation to do a tour or to do a record or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So we're tracking, tracking along. So you're, you're working, you put out your second EP mm-hmm. and now, from, from what I remember around that time, you would do lots of local gigs. So I'd see you do a show in New York or I'd see mm-hmm. you do a show in, in Jersey. But it was still pretty, I guess, humble type of thing. It's still, yeah. you know, I, I think people would regard you as like a local type of artist. Yeah. When, like, I feel like something happened. I, I remember you posted a video or maybe it was just a post uh, where you basically said, all right, I'm quitting my job and I'm going to, I'm making the move to becoming a full-time musician. Yeah. And so when was that and and what kind of led up to that decision? Well, um, I very much lived by the analogy of, um, I want to be close enough to the fire to get warm, but not to get burned. So I never wanted to tour. I never wanted to do music full time, to be honest, because, you know, the other thing, you know, you don't want to develop a neurosis where it's like, all right, now I, I'm obligated to do this and my well-being is dependent on making music. Yeah. And I don't want to be in a situation where I hate making music. We, 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 we come to, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? So we're going to edit this out. I <laughs> know what I'm talking about. Nice. <laughs> um, where you come to resent Correct. resent the music industry and a lot of people get bitter yeah. because mm-hmm. things go wrong a record deal goes bad they have a bad tour they lose a bunch of money on whatever musical endeavor so mm-hmm. i hear that yeah so i was really apprehensive for that reason i mean to be completely honest well when i made the jump was in uh 2014 no i'm sorry about a year and a half ago from today so maybe like something that was around. only a year and a half ago yeah. are you sure yeah. that feels like <laughs> that was a, a, a while before that no it's coming up to two years because um the thing that made me jump was my best friend passed away from ALS. So, uh, and he was 35, his name is Rich. And when he passed, you know, I've had a lot of opportunities to do it full time. I probably could have done it full time back in like 2013. But again, it's that, you know, staying near the fire to get warm, not to get burned. And um, for the other reason I had mentioned. But, um, you know, so for me, it, it really woke me up just hearing the, the, the thoughts of a dying 35 year old man. Mm-hmm. And, what, what, and what was that? What did he, what did you know, he tell just you? All the things that he wanted to do. All the things, all the opportunities he had. And here I am getting tour offers and label offers. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. You know, which I'm kind of thankful for because it, it definitely paced my career in a certain way so that when I finally did tour, you know, the first tour I ever went on, full US tour, I headlined myself. No support acts, no nothing. When was that? This was last exactly one year ago. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, selling out shows left and right, killing it in merch, running out of merch two or three times, you know, because people were just really anxious to see me because I've been holding back since, you know, I started this in 2004, 2005, you know, so building an online career for that long and then touring so many years later, people were just like, finally, you know, um, which is actually, you know, what I think that's really interesting because I'm, you know, me working with some of my newer bands and going through that the kind of process of like shopping to labels Mm -hmm. and the main thing you hear from the labels is well when are you going to tour can you tour Mm -hmm. what's going on with this they want that immediate like here's the album then here's the 
the touring action mm-hmm. and the way I've kind of, you know, I've kind of gone against that in a way and the way I, I think lately because I know how that can destroy bands early when they go out before they're ready Absolutely. financially and, mm-hmm. they, and they go, they kind of dive head, head first and if that first year doesn't go well and, you know, after a year they're still making a hundred bucks a night yeah. and they're still sleeping on floors. They're like, fuck this. I'm going to go home. This is not a quality life. Absolutely. And I think, you know, your approach in a way is, um, is kind of evidence that you can do things a different way. Absolutely. Which is to wait until there's a demand, build the demand mm-hmm. and then, and then enter the marketplace right. that and way. Not only that, it sets you up for a much more enjoyable experience because it's so much, it's so rewarding seeing people like literally in tears after your set saying, oh my God, thank you for coming out and touring finally. You know, it's, it really just changed my life. And um, so after that tour, um, you know, I wanted to lay low, but of course, 120 shows later, <laughs> you know, with this tour, it's just something that, you know, I absolutely love. I mean, don't get me wrong, man. It's hard. I mean, especially doing a DIY, like you're talking about a tremendous amount of money investing. It's just like an album cycle is no different. Yeah. You know? So let's talk about that, the, the DIY thing. Um, what is your philosophy behind being an independent artist? Like, like what, what is it? What do you think is about you that has put you on that path as opposed to trying to do something more traditional or get, you know, let me get a label, let me get a manager, Mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. I think the most important thing is just, um, being very honest with yourself. Um, knowing what your strengths are, knowing what your weaknesses are, uh, always putting the songs and the product before your ego. That's the most important thing, really. Especially when you're doing a solo thing, you know. It's like we all have one, you know. It's a matter of being very aware of it and knowing how to keep it in check. Um, because at the end of the day, again, it's the songs that matter. Um, and that's that's what success is, honestly. It's just you can market it as much as you want, but you can't mark, you know, bad songs. Or it's just a bad, you know, it's not a song that's going to relate to people. So I think that... You know, uh, for me, I love the business end of it, you know, and uh, first and foremost, as you know, it is being a prominent songwriter, but I love just learning about new tactics, new different ways to connect with people, being more intimate with my audience, uh, responding to them, making sure that they know that I'm seeing their comments and their messages and whatever. Um, But honestly, you know, again, you can't get attached to a certain way to do things, you know, that's the most important thing. You have to be very adaptable because the music industry is changing and we're going to see a lot more changes within the next five years, next two years. Um, and you, are you like preparing for that? Are you thinking absolutely. of the next thing of what's kind of, what, in your opinion, what's going to, what's kind of happening right now that you think is going to phase out soon? iTunes is going to go away. Yeah. Everything's going to be streaming. Apple music is going to be the, the primary platform. You think that'll be bigger than Spotify? Um, I think so out of convenience. I like Spotify's, I, as a streaming service, mm-hmm. I, I tried Apple Music and yeah. I like Spotify's system better. Absolutely. Well, you know what's interesting about that is I was a big Pandora listener for years. That was my go-to streaming service. I never understood Spotify. Spotify was always very, uh, like a, too much of an intimidating galaxy. But Pandora, can you do a la carte? Can you just pick up a song and no. it'll play it? It's all random, right? Yeah. It's it, like radio. It, yeah, it's a good way to to discover new artists, yeah. you know, and I've had a lot of success on there myself. So when people are like, oh, I heard you on Pandora, I'm like, you know what, let, let me see what Pandora's about. Now, is there a way to, so you, if people are discovering you, mm-hmm. what would they put in? So if they put in like, 
Periphery or something will like mm-hmm. an Angel Vivaldi song come up on there maybe? Dude, they, I've come up on Metallica radio. <laughs> yeah, it's the craziest thing Dude, on have like, you all done the remains. And have you like done that. anything to promote that, or to kind of happen all on its own? No, it's their own algorithm. It pretty much is based from what I understand on people who you know like certain things, and it creates more branches of this algorithm. So like, hey, if you like this, you might like this kind of thing. Um, whereas Spotify, I just started listening to for the past five months, and it literally changed the way I listen to it. Um, you know, discovering new music. Um, and now that's my main, you know, so as a listener now, I fully understand the appeal of Spotify and platforms like that. So did, so you mentioned before that you were getting offers. So you said you had label offers on the, on the coming at you? Yeah, I had a few. Um, especially that was another band I was in Vexed. Yes. In 2012. Which we didn't, which we didn't get to. Yeah, I, I, I was going to talk about it, but we kind of started because he's also an X-Men of vexed as well he was a doing, vexed man yeah and that was and so so vexed uh, f- featuring our good friend tommy vexed and our buddy aj who was in mutiny within mm-hmm. and then bill yeah right bill fury from mutiny within also plays for plays for you which was mm-hmm. i would describe as more almost like uh a bunch of metal guys almost doing something a little more on the commercial side of things yeah um and and for you that was that the last kind of more band unit like more normal songs that you've yeah. been involved in yeah that was it and that was in 2012 2013 i think that yeah. that's when that happened and what what happened because i know so there were some people looking at you guys yeah or? there was a lot of people looking at us man so we what had, ha- what happened um i mean i i think that um didn't aj quit aj had quit first um and then we had another basis and we were still playing shows and then um you know at that point like my solo career was already taken off and uh, I kind of hit a really bad depression at that point, trying to write my next record, my next solo record. Depression around what? I just couldn't write, man. Oh, just like a like a I, writer's block. Yeah, but it snowballed into such a more darker thing, you know. Because like, you know, the thing is, I mean, the important thing, I guess, when you're a musician and you're and you have any bit of success, is you you immediately identify yourself by that one thing, you know. Like, I am a songwriter. I am a guitarist, mm-hmm. you know. And when you can't songwrite and you're not a guitarist, you ponder those deep questions, like. What am I? Who am I? What is my purpose here? Um, and, um, you know, it's definitely a lot of like judging myself and just being a complete dick to myself when it comes right down to it. But it wasn't until like I got into meditation and I really softened to the experience that, you know, no, I'm not just that. Do you I, do uh, TM? Transcendental meditation? No, no. I mean, I'm a practicing Buddhist. Okay. Um, oh, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I practice Zen meditation. Uh, I've been on a few retreats, which really helped. It just transformed my life completely. And, um, and for me, you know, it was more a matter of like, well, no, that's just one part of my life. Music isn't my life, you know, because I feel like if you subject your, if you define yourself by one thing, you're cheapening the privilege of like being alive, you know, life is so much more than just playing guitar or writing songs. You know, you have friends and family and, you know, ways to connect. So when I opened to that, that's when I was able to really, you know, write and be more free and liberated. So talking about free and liberation. So when I finally finished that record, um, which record this is? Uh, Away With Words. Okay. My solo record. The latest one that came out. And then, um, so, yeah, and then, like, you know, I think that the dynamic, like, Bill's very chill, very laid back, the drummer, you know? He, he'll he go with anything, you know? Whereas uh, Tommy and I, we're both front men, you yeah. know? Um, but I know my role in a band, you know? I don't fight that at all. Um, but I feel like there was definitely some certain, I guess, tactics that I just didn't really understand, I guess. Okay. Um... And then um, once my solo stuff started taking off even more, I was like, guys, I really can't do both right now. I really have to focus on this album cycle, you know, because again, it, it's a 
it's a, an, a financial investment, it's an emotional investment. And I really wanted to see it through. So I decided to go that route and focus again on my solo stuff. Right on. You always, you always go back. Always go back, baby. But it's, it's clearly, <laughs> it's, pay, it's, it's paying off. So the label thing, so has the Angel Vivaldi solo artist mm-hmm. been offered label deals? There was negotiations, but yeah. I've never, never had it like, here's the, well, yeah. I'm sorry, there was one last year. Um, and I sat on it for quite a while. Is it, is it, can we name names or is that, I'm not, not going to name names. No, I'm not okay. going to name names. Um, but you know, I sat on it for a while, a lot of back and forth, back and forth. And honestly, it was a very good deal. It was, uh, it was, it was made in 2015, just last year. Um, so, but it, so why not? Is it, is it, is it, all right. I'm, I hope I'm not answering, answering the question mm-hmm, for yeah, you, yeah, yeah. but is it being someone who is in control of every element and you get all your revenue, you get to make all your decisions and all of a sudden kind of taking the grip off that steering wheel is that is that the hesitation you know what the interesting thing was it was more of um the temper the the personalities behind this particular label um interesting yeah they gave me everything i wanted man that deal that was a 2005 deal it wasn't even a 360 deal they were going to give me every self-release they didn't want any part of it they didn't want any money from it they were like, you know, we're going to give you complete control. It was clearly you're doing something and it's, you're doing it right. So we're going to let you do this. We're just going to give you a lot of money and da 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 da, da. Um, But I just had, again, I'm pointing to my gut. Yeah. It's just, I just didn't feel right. Yeah, because of some personal personality issues and yeah. kind of vibe. Just the Yeah, vibe. I just didn't feel like one of the people behind this label didn't have my best interest at heart. And then lo and behold, you know, during my last tour, I came to realize that and thank God I didn't sign it, you know? Yeah. But to me, I'm just, I'm just saying this. If labels aren't offering you a deal and they're not following the talent Mm -hmm. and they're not following, because not only do you have talent, you have exposure, you have, you have videos and content that has millions of views. Mm -hmm. You're on tour with one of the most famous guitar players in the world. (laughs) co-headlining mm-hmm. not even just like you're opening up um you're you know i don't know your record sales numbers or anything like like that you'd have a better idea but i i feel like there's there must be something wrong with this system if they're not saying hey let's go where the talent is these this these people like you have all the elements of of an act that would should have a record deal i'm like then who the fuck are they offering record deals to right <laughs> Like I'm, it, I'm baffled. You know what the thing is? I mean, so there was one record label I met with, um, not naming names again, but they literally told me they're like, you know what? We're not even going to offer you a deal, you know, because there's nothing that we can do for you that you're not doing for yourself already. And blew my fucking hair back, you know, but it's, it's kind of true. You know, the interesting thing about it is like artists are really taking the power back, you know, but the, the, Flip side, the other counterpart mm-hmm. to that that artists aren't understanding is that, yeah, we're taking the power back, but we need each other. Yeah. You know, and there's way too many fucking people, man, focus on being good guitar yeah. players and good drummers or whatever, but they don't know how to be a musician, you know? So instead of like banding together, they're just forming their own little cliques, you know? So here's the YouTube guys click, and here's the fucking gent click, and here's these. The, and you know, and people don't know where to categorize my ass because I'm over here with the YouTube views and I have, you know. I was gonna, I was, I was gonna ask you about that because I, I felt like um, your 
ascension into notoriety happened kind of at the same time that the gent scene and internet mm-hmm. musician seven string dot gent yes <laughs> arose but your music in my opinion doesn't sound like that right it's a yeah. different it's a different vibe or at least it, it you know it and i'm sure you've you i don't, I don't know i almost feel like if it was anyone else but you they would have just shoehorned gent sounds into it just to mm-hmm. like try and fit fit in, but you didn't do that. Right. But yet, a lot of those fans still embrace what you do, yeah. which I think is is really cool. Do you feel like a kinship with that community at all, or do you feel separate from it still? I definitely feel a kinship with it. Um, it definitely, you know, a lot of my demographic does really enjoy that music, which is great. I mean, it's 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 wonderful. Um, you know, but the most important thing, and I say this to, to you know anyone who's asking for advice, is like. Don't follow trends. Don't go balls deep in trends because if your intention, well, first figure out what your intention is because if you want longevity in this industry, following a trend is going to give you five, 10 years. But then mm-hmm. at the same time, when you follow a trend, you're sharing your fan base with 500 other bands who are doing the same thing. What's going to make them buy your record and not theirs? Yeah. You know? So when you think about this, it's like, all right, well, that's more reason for me to do exactly what I want. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, the term prog to me, or progressive metal is, or progressive music in general, is just tapping into any genre in the world and being able to do it well. You know, so I have you know Martian Winter, which is super genty. Then I have other songs which are pretty thrashy. I have songs that are just straight up ballads, and you know, um, I have my For the Love of Gods. You know, oh yeah, and uh, yes, yeah, baby. But um, but yeah, so I think that that's the most important thing, just to have artistic integrity. Because look at Meshuggah, you know, um, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for those guys. Um, their music doesn't particularly move me. Um, there's always something I can relate to, and I that that's cool. Um, but they stuck to the guns all these years, and now they're literally the kings of this, you know, this whole movement of progressive metal, and they're really they're at the top of their game, you know. Yeah, they just keep growing in popularity, and it's insane. It's absolutely insane, and it's just amazing to see that. But they're doing what and they, they want to do. And they keep getting heavier. Like, yeah, not, how the hell? <laughs> you know, like well, every time they come out, I look at their tour schedules. They're playing bigger and bigger venues. Now they're up to like the like the twenty five hundred capacity mm-hmm. venues, and it's like it's insane. They become this mini industry in and of themselves. Which listen, I could praise Meshuggah all day. We're not gonna we're not gonna do that. Here. <laughs> We have bigger, <laughs> bigger fish to fry. That's just stating the obvious. Water is wet. The sky yeah, is yeah. blue. Um, so speaking of the the Martian winter video, mm-hmm. and that kind of ties into like two questions. How how did because that seemed to be the the thing that kind of broke out for you. That was the first thing where it's like I said, you're it's it's such an odd transition. Mm-hmm. Where back in the day, where mm-hmm. when I was first touring, it was you hit the road. Mm-hmm. That's how you build a fan base because, they, you know, it was that was before even MySpace was yeah. a big deal. All these tools, it was either you were on the radio or MTV or you hit the road. Right. But you somehow, like I said, it it, it all of a sudden it became real. It became legitimate. A, I want I want to know how did you get that video made because yeah. it's a it's a great video. Like it's <laughs> yeah. it's super professional mm-hmm. and I think that helped in its in its success and how did it get spread around? Yeah, I mean, uh what's interesting, the first video 
um, that I dropped was for Mercurian Summer, which is another okay, single okay, yeah. off that same album or that same EP. So did I have them flipped around about which one hit first? Uh, yeah. So it was a summer one, then it was a winter one. Okay. But okay, they went guys. that far apart. I knew it was a season though. <laughs> okay. Get mad at me. Shit. Get me another beverage. Hold on. But it's not beer. It's it's, it's raspberry like <laughs> raspberry lemonade flavored sparkling water. He thinks he's a bougie bitch, guys. That's right. Listen, I'm I'm watching my weight. <laughs> do not shame. Do not body shame me, sir. Okay, it's delicious. And it drink up, boo boo. Drink up. He's drooling, oh. guys. <laughs> That's right. It's delicious. Anyway, um, I, I didn't mean to cut. So I so this so this was Mercurial Summer. Mercurial Summer. Yeah. I apologize. And then to, he got the name wrong. To yeah, look at that. You know what's funny is that like I'm sure if there's any of your fans listen to this, they're like, really, dude, <laughs> really, bro. Like get with you it. You don't even man. know the right video, get man. With it. <laughs> God. Um, but no, so that was the first one that dropped, and it was like a you know pretty modest video. I mean, it's still you know pro shot and stuff like that, but. So, no, so you one. are you paying that all out of, out of pocket? Yeah. <laughs> are, are we talking in the thousands and thousands of dollars? Or are you, you getting the bro deal? Well, we'll get we'll get to that in a second. Uh, so, all right. So, Mercurian Summer was the first video that started the ball rolling. Um, you know, and I was making some good money off of it. I was like, all right, you know. What do you mean you make it like from YouTube views? No, just selling on iTunes. Just selling, oh, se- yeah. selling a video. People uh, would buy no, the single. Oh, the song. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. There we go. And then um, from there, I was like, all right, got to do a second video. You know, that's where Martian Winter came out. Um, and yeah, that video was um, very painful to do. It was really cold. That's it not was, fake. That's not like that. The, the like the the like in the movies now, when it's cold. They'll like put CGI. They wanted to do that. Yeah, that's what they originally they wanted to do. And I was like, no, because my whole big thing is with videos. Like, I don't want to date my videos. Yeah. Um, you'll never see an axe effects in any of my videos because right. for that very well, you don't reason. use that you use um, the lord for your guitar sound right? <laughs> oh duh <laughs> I'm his angel yes it's a care of me <laughs> um, but yeah so you know like with that you know they wanted to CGI it and then again I felt like it, in a few years it's going to be dated so I was like no let's get, let's get into a five degree freezer and you know kill ourselves <laughs> so how long was the shoot it was eight hours um, and Ooh. It, you want to talk about terrifying, so, you know, I pay this, you know, production team. And it was actually, it was a little bit of a labor of love, too, because I did get um, a bit of a bro deal, but it was still incredibly, incredibly expensive. It looks great, though. Oh, thank you, man. Um, so, yeah, so we got in there. We had all of our gear in there. And um, I was sh- I was the first one to, you know, we got special effects makeup, first one to go in there, and I'm shaking uncontrollably. And then I st- my heart falls into my eyes, because so, I'm like, I've been shaking for like 10 minutes now, and I can't stop shaking. I can't do a take. And then I go to the director, Tony, and I'm like, Tony, I don't know if this is a realistic thing. I think we may have to like reschedule this entire shoot. And he's like, Angel Man, just just stay with it for like another 10 minutes. If you feel you can't do it, we won't do it. But just give it another 10 minutes. And th- by the grace of God, <laughs> you know, your body had just adapted. Mind you, we're only wearing like long sleeve thermals. That is it. Yeah. Everyone else is bundled up head to toe. It's fucking freezing in there. So... We shot, and then um, every time, you know, we then we did singles, 
Did you consult with like a doctor to find out if you like can actually be exposed to that? No, I probably should have. I I think that if I stood there for another hour longer, we wouldn't have needed a special effects makeup because it was it hurt. It really hurt. And then to move, try to you know, of course, there's like back and chest trying to move your fingers to. It was painful. Then the other thing is, so like with the smoke, you have to have a lot of humidity, and uh, with the humidity, we couldn't. The gaff tape wasn't sticking to the symbols for the you know playback. So. My drummer, like he was just washing out the backing track. So my amazing guitarist plugged in his amp and he played it to a click and he actually fucking played it. I don't know how he was, because the wrists are not, like those are nasty wrists, man. Those are hard. Those are no joke. Yeah. And he was able to play just so we can hear it. You know, I thought my amp was going to explode. Because you're thinking about it, like put your PV in, you know, or whatever amp, like in the freezer. And no, turn I, had, I had an amp <laughs> amplifier. So this was back like 99 or 98. We played this roller rink or some crazy venue in in asbury park and my Mm -hmm. amp had been in the trailer all night and i guess it was freezing outside and just stayed there and i turned it on and boom yeah and i guess they 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 were the tubes had frozen yeah and i I didn't give it time to warm up so Mm -hmm. yeah you can definitely fuck yeah i mean luckily i mean um we didn't have the amps in there too too long i mean it was just really quick in and out um but uh, but yeah, man, we had you know it's just a matter of just got to truck through it, you know. And luckily, you know, we did because the video, you know, did really well and everyone was really receptive to it. But that was the one thing. I mean, it definitely turned my career to a completely different. So, to, you know, but how did you take some? Like, how are you exposing it? Was it was it all natural? Like a friend telling a mouth, friend telling a friend. Old That's school it. word of mouth. Like I didn't put any ads into it. I didn't do anything. Yeah, it was just his own thing, and you know. Thanks to my fans, man. <laughs> they just yeah, but happen. that's but I think that's what we're all like. What I kind of when, when people talk about going back to like the God forbid days and mm-hmm. what, a lot of people are like, man, you guys should have been X Y Z, and I'm like, right. ain't no such thing right. as should like either people connect to it or they don't, and there's very few bands that could have had as much exposure as we mm-hmm. did. You know, we got in front of everybody. So, and we had our, our certain amount of success and it was great, mm-hmm. but I love that idea of things picking up their own natural steam. And like I said, a friend telling a friend, another guy playing it for this guy. And all of a sudden yeah. it, it develops its own natural energy. And that's, and that's real fandom. That's, you know, cause there's one thing where you can go and like, Oh, we're going to get the, street team to go hand out flyers and we're gonna right, right. do this all this kind of manufactured mm-hmm. excitement what i call that's there's a big difference between hype and buzz oh yeah yeah because one is real and one is one is manufactured mm-hmm. and i just i love seeing that because it's especially i mean i think in, in many ways and I'm, I'm sure you'll probably agree with this is that you also kind of benefited from just timing whereas like it seemed like 15 years instrumental shred guitar type stuff was not really in the in the atmosphere wasn't happening no you know and then all and then all of a sudden it became something where not only you can make a living but it was big you know bands like animals as leaders like this that Mm -hmm. band plays theaters and sells them out and it's like whoa this is that didn't exist when we were coming up Correct, you know, right. unless you were Steve Vai or Joe Satriani or yeah, Ingve. And then think about how crazy Animals as Leaders is. Their music is not really accessible. They're doing some crazy. I disagree. Stuff. I think mean? I think it's their music is. I think listening to it, mm-hmm. like your music, actually sounds crazier. Yeah. Like it sounds more like there's more crazy stuff. I think mm-hmm. because of the way Tosin plays, mm-hmm. 
it's like almost like their stuff is almost more like atmospheric. Yeah, they definitely. Like, like I'm it, talking more like standard song structure hooks. Yeah, you know, they're they 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 play with that a lot. You know what I wonder? I wonder if it's not you know, a, a coincidence mm-hmm. that a band like that or a band like yours became popular almost at the same time that EDM right. became popular where it's instrumental music mm-hmm. that is not obviously v- driven by vocals yeah. and doesn't follow like a normal format, but it's really about people kind of just, in a way you listen to that music differently, the way you, the, it kind of affects your brain and the, the kind of p- mood it, it puts you in and almost mm-hmm. like people were the culture was ready yeah i mean i grew up on dance music man i'm from jersey you know i'm Spanish. I'm from jersey baby. that was what freestyle judy torres what? up in the club <laughs> you know so i mean um you know i have a, a, a very great huge love for like you know any type of electronic dance music um you know present day or back in the day um you know and that's one thing i've actually i, I did a collaboration with marcus schultz his management hit me up maybe what was it like sometime in june they were like, hey, you know, he just dropped the record. You know, we saw that you did this very Corsten song back a few years ago. Would you be down to do a cover of one of his songs? And I'm like, Shh, yeah. I don't know who any of these people are. Oh are these God, dance people? Mark. Yeah, Marcus Schultz, he's like Tiesto kind of, oh, okay. you know. See, I'm learning, guys. I'm learning <laughs> what videos came out when. Marcus Schultz, my man. I love it. This guy needs an octane rating, guys. What's that? You need an octane rating. It's good. All right. All right. All right. So, so speaking of dancing, mm-hmm. a lot of people, not everyone knows, you're, you are the, are you the most prominently openly gay heavy metal musician? Are you the guy? You I'm hold not it the down? Most prominent. <laughs> Definitely not. Who's the most prominent? Who's, who, who's got the title? Probably Halford. How? Oh, yeah. I forgot. I, I, I want to know what's in that design. I'm like, I don't know who he is. <laughs> He's there with Marcus Schultz. Who are these people? <laughs> oh, no. I forgot about Halford. Yeah, Halford. I don't know, but he doesn't. Does he go to the club? I don't know. I don't know. You know he, barely, doesn't have I, a, he doesn't have a cool hairstyle like you. No, he doesn't, you know? unfortunately. No. I'm saying, so, <laughs> like, the, oh, all right. So, instead of, see, I, I think about this because I will always get asked, what question do you think I always get asked? Um, are you black or Spanish? Kind of, but it's like, <laughs> it's like, what's it like being black and heavy metal, right? And that's yeah. yeah. Is this the is this the the do you get that constantly? Is that um, is are you annoyed at that or is it? No, you know what? I, I, I people are very receptive to it. I mean, um, there was sometime last year, and that's the thing. I, I wasn't very. I don't want to make it a big thing, you know. Like so, last year I heard it's really big. Apparent, oh, it's massive. It's like a kickstand. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Shit. You will need a duck when I turn around. <laughs> All right, guys. I got to go. Um. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, you know, so last year, um, the UROC Foundation, they had this, um, this whole thing where for World Suicide Prevention Day. Where you hold up a sign and says, I matter because, and then you feel I think I saw something you posted with that. Yeah, and that was the first time, and this was like, I think last year, that's the first time I was like, hey, I'm gay. You know, if people asked me, I would tell them. Um, But I think I said, I matter because I'm openly gay in the metal scene. And um, I think, honestly, it was one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life, not for myself, I thought it was just known. People. Like I thought, like I don't know. I guess maybe because I'm from New Jersey, and we're all yeah, from well, the same knows, yeah, area, yeah. area that it was just mm-hmm. known. But I guess it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you know, 
because I had like at that point, like, you know, my, my career was like, you know, it was taken off and, you know, I was doing my thing already <clears throat> um, being established. But so when I posted that, you know, it came to a shock as you know, to a lot of people. I mean, whatever. Any I mean, like bad put like people kind of because I mean, think about metal in, in many ways is kind of this like stereotypically masculine aggressive just alpha male type of which is it's actually kind of hilarious because if you look at the 80s where everyone like they're they kind of look like girls but they're like but they're banging a lot of girls that was like the transgendered era like it's not now it's it was back there's just a lot of like the accept balls to the wall video kind of gay i mean look at the title balls to the wall yeah but you have a bunch of dudes who's bent over on a wall why? I don't know. Mm. I don't know what's going on there. I'm just saying there was a there was some there was some stuff going on. Very pseudo. Yeah, there was just a lot of ins, a <laughs> lot of outs, and a lot more ins and outs and ins and outs. And ins. Yeah, it was a, it was a repetitive <laughs> motion that made people happy. That made many people happy, <laughs> and still makes people happy to this day. So do you have you have you have a lot of kids reaching out to you, like young people? So yeah, when um when I made that post. You know, it really just blew up. I mean, it was just shared all over the fucking internet. And um, it did a lot of good because I got a lot of messages from people who actually decided to come out. Yeah. Who came out, like, at the day after they would message and me. And is like, this people in the, who are part of the heavy metal fans, community? Yeah, or just fans of mine, you know, who listen to, you know, a lot of metal and stuff. And I'm just like, holy fucking shit. Like, I just made this post just to, you know. And, I mean, it was a lengthy post, too. I talked about, you know, my experiences being... Um, you know, gay and, you know, it, yeah, of course, you're definitely going to get some hate and you're going to get some, you know, fucking ignorant people. But it's just like, you know what? At the end of the day, it's ignorance. And I don't say that with stupidity. It's just lack of awareness. They, You have to educate people. Right, you, you know? To, I'm, I'm, I'm of the mind and, and, you know, and considering my perspective, a lot of times I'm drawn upon to maybe comment about race or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I always say I actually have a fair amount of sympathy for people who are not lucky enough Absolutely. to be taught the better way of thinking yeah and they're disadvantaged Absolutely, and so 100%. And, and so if you have someone who maybe has an ignorant point of view and whether it's bigoted in any way mm-hmm. because they didn't know any better right you have to like try and help them and not you can't be like you're an asshole you're racist it's like right. that's that only makes them hate worse mm-hmm. Is when you come at them fire with fire, you know, but there was a lot of people remember the comments that were just like, you know what, honestly, like I didn't, I had no idea. It's not something that like I, I, you know, it it flipped people. At at the end of the day though, it doesn't matter. Right. It's not, it has nothing to do. It's the most hard. It's, it's, it's like irrelevant, completely irrelevant. But you know what? The, the good thing about, you know, because there's still a lot of progress that humanity needs to make overall. And if I can help that even point zero 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 one percent with the fucking post, and just to be honest with people and myself, then fuck it, yeah, absolutely, you know. Well, that's one of my my favorite things about about you in general is that to me you're almost like part musician, part performer, but you're om- but you're also almost like a vlogger. Like I like I see some of your videos, and it might mm-hmm. as well you know some of these people who are famous on YouTube just for doing. Yeah. videos mm-hmm. like you like you have a uh a charisma to you and a, an ability to speak to people it's the hair man well it's, listen <laughs> you've got you've got the you got it all down all right you son of a bitch come over here all bitch, co- you invited all, me all quaffed 
quaffed or queefed? There ain't no queefs it here, is. man. Boo boo, the night is young. <laughs> <laughs> we can find a queef, all right? We're not, you know. We're in LA. It is. It is around. It is. It is, it is around the corner. But no. But like, you're kind of your position to be outspoken on issues. Like I remember you had the one video that was antithetical to this idea that sh- shred guitar is self-indulgent. Right. And, you, and, you, and you and you spoke about that. Mm-hmm. You you gave your opinion in in a way that was funny and that was charming. Mm-hmm. And like do you feel like you're almost a vlogger or is like the position of musicians now or anyone in in the public light that you kind of have to be a jack of all trades you have to be out there just in general or is that just your personality no that's an that's an interesting point i mean i think that that can work for some people absolutely for me um i just it's easier just to be myself you know and just to do whatever the fuck i want um one of the things i'm working on now is um you know because through music i feel like you know there's definitely a certain amount of responsibility I feel as well. So for instance, like when I do tour, like I'm a huge, huge environmental yuppie, like all about recycling and least consumption as possible. Like I don't care how many bands are on the tour. Everyone can use my back line just to save gas and carbon and you know, all that stuff. Um, Damn so, hippies. Um, I'm a fucking hippie that showers essentially, you know? <laughs> um, but you know, through this amazing platform of being able to like have the reach that I do, um, I'm able to like bring awareness about all these things. So the one thing I'm working on now is this um, series called Beyond the Music. So what I'm going to be doing is um, is a video w- series. Uh, it's going to be on YouTube. Um, st- it's still in the works because I'm I'm reaching out to s- different companies. Like there's this company. Um, so essentially, what the whole thing is is like once a month, I'll put up a video um, promoting different stuff for the environment. So there's some stuff. Um, there's a company called Drumi, and they make uh, portable washing machines. So, like, if you're on tour, like, and, you know, you pump it with your foot, and it's super easy. You can wash your clothes in it. It's super sustainable. Um, there's another company called Ethical Electric, which I use to, they, they essentially reroute your power grid to support, like, you know, just using renewable energy. So, all the power that powers my studio and my home um, is all done with wind turbines. So, like, there's a lot of stuff that people just aren't aware of. Are you going to get a solar panel? Do you uh, have solar panels? No, no. Is that they reroute your power grid? So like my power comes from uh, wind turbines that are in Lancaster. So you don't PA. even need it. You don't even need. Don't it. even need them. No. But the thing is, like, no one knows that, you know. And I think that people are really passionate about things. It's just that the internet's an overwhelming place. It's hard to figure out what exactly I can do to help. Yeah, it's um, it's very difficult to divvy between the information and misinformation and disinformation yes absolutely and then there was the other thing uh we did a when the, the horrible tragedy happened in orlando i did a i did a six hour stream it was like the craziest thing man but i mean um so what were, I, I remember you did so so what were you doing for six hours just kind of answering questions talking to people what were you i doing? played guitar for six hours you just played guitar for six hours. i played through my entire discography i improvised i answered questions um you know and it was just i just wanted to be there as long as i possibly can you know just to you know uh did some giveaways so i did a giveaway where it's like you know if you have donated to you know the gofundme that they had going on you know, submit a proof of your payment and you'll win something. And so this is to help raise money. Right, this is to help raise money for all it's the like victims little, in Orlando. Your own little mini telethon. Yeah. That's you know. awesome, man. See, you're here's the thing, you're better than me. <laughs> that's that it's not a matter you of know, that, man. It's our, our no, seriously, like that's that's really incredible. And the fact that you're engaged 
with issues because the, I think a lot of the heavy metal community is very cynical, mm-hmm. especially a lot of the newer, like super heavy bands. It's all like, the world sucks. People, <laughs> people equal shit, bro. And conspiracy theories. You know, I like dark I, the world is. You know, I like I like Slipknot. I like that song. <laughs> That's what I, I just that, that was just what came to mind. Don't don't be mad at me. Don't Slipknot. judge my boy. Don't judge my boy. I love you, Slipknot. You my people. <laughs> but um, but no, I th- I feel like things have become a lot of younger people have definitely a, a cynical viewpoint, and I think that in many ways is that's easy. Mm-hmm. Like it's easy not to give a shit. It's it's easy to say, oh, well, everyone's fucked. It's like, oh yeah, but you're great, right? Mm-hmm. The world, oh, it's the world that's fucked up, but you're you're right. just fine. And and the truth is, when you, you know, someone like you who takes a more activist position, I I just do admire that because I am not an activist. Mm-hmm. I'm I say a lot of things. I have a lot of ideas, and I like to think about things and communicate that. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely not an on the front lines with a sign kind of yeah, guy yeah. you know so it's definitely something when i see it and you're genuine and you mean it it's like mm-hmm. super admirable you know yeah, thank you man appreciate that of course so on, on another serious note so on tour grinder right? <laughs> so what's going on what's up with the what, what do you mean the app yeah so i've heard <laughs> all right so i no no all right so all right so listen up man listen up oh he's gonna blow my spot over yo, here <laughs> yo i've heard not from you not about you i've heard Dudes in bands mm-hmm. who are gay mm-hmm. be getting it in on Grinder on tour. <laughs> not me, boo boo. Not you. Do you have a boy? Do you have a boyfriend? Are you married? What's no, going on? No, no. I'm very single. You're single, I but am single. but you're like a nice guy. You're not like you're not like a man whore like I <laughs> no, used to man, be honestly, before I had a girlfriend. No, I. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll so somehow managed to love you. That's right. Um, because I got a big heart. Yeah. All right. Just massive it, it, it actually almost matches other parts of my body that's how that's we get right. along so well that's right um don't dick shame me bro <laughs> <laughs> nah man honestly you know um i'm not promiscuous because i you know i i value my health you know um i honestly i have so much i have like anxiety problems so i don't even think i can get hard if i met someone in, i've never had a one-night stand in my life that's what i'm saying you're never a nice one. you're I a can't. nice you're a genuinely nice person <laughs> Who values themselves? Your brain is not broken. That's what I'm saying. That's why you're admirable, <laughs> role model for the kids. Okay, don't use Grinder, you dirty. I mean, no. Sons here's the thing: bitches. is I think like Grinder has its purposes. I mean, I know people who have met like their spouses on or Tinder, Grinder or Tinder or, 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 or Boo Boo is Tinder. I just wanted to get my you, rhyme scheme, they, though. Oh. You fucking me up, man. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> that, was, that was a little dry. Make one drink some more of that Dasani. <laughs> <laughs> I was but, on the Tinder. The Tinder. I'm old though. I'm I'm like you know I'm past my prime. So boo boo. You know. Come on. It's you look great. Oh thank you. Dude, I'm grizzly. <laughs> this is grizzly coil right here. You know I got about a quarter inch of of you know facial hair. That's mm-hmm. this is about this is I'm shaving this down today. You mean to clean. tell me that you didn't put work into looking good for me today? Yo, I put out well, a video today. Well, your house looks today. wonderful. Oh thank you. This looks wonderful. I put out a vid- music video today. I've been working since 9 a.m. Which is why I had to leave. Listen, I'm on tour. Do you see this hair? Yeah, but you're... Listen, mm. I've illustrated many times. You're better than me. <laughs> you do... You're more... You're just, you're just doing it all. You're my hero. This guy. So, all right. So, speaking of that. So, I, I went to go see Angel last night on his tour with Gus G. 
so proud of this guy. He's he's playing because I I the thing that's fascinating to me is I think we look at talk about all these ideas of being legitimized mm-hmm. when you're independent. Yeah. To me, playing with August G and the way you guys, I loved the marketing you guys did for the tour, all your your little things you planned together. Mm-hmm. I've noticed there's a lot of uh, regionalized marketing on Facebook where yeah. you're, you know, so it's, you guys are doing it really smart. You've combined, you're using the same band. Mm-hmm. You're all traveling together. Is that is that yeah, correct? Yeah, that is correct. Um, so I, I love it. It's all like new, it's creative thinking about how to do this thing mm-hmm. and not be homeless. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> but um, do you feel like this tour has kind of legitimized you or, or taken you to the next level as far as maybe like those other parts of the music industry that aren't paying attention to Angel Vivaldi? I think it definitely opens up opens me up to different uh, demographics because, you know, he has a an, an immense fan base in Europe and, uh, and overseas. So is he going to take you to Europe? Is that, tell him, you tell him he better take you to Europe. <laughs> All right? That's how this works, bro. That's how this works, boo I won I for you, you one for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, I think that, you know, with him and like, you know, he even said he's just like, you know, a lot of people back home are like, who the fuck is this angel guy? And he's like, nope, just just wait. Just, just wait till you see the videos and stuff. Because we, you know, we have a lot of stuff that we do together on the tour as well. But I think that, you know, and even this tour... For the most part, I mean, above, and this is definitely my most amazing touring experience, um, just because the camaraderie is like 120 million percent. Like, so is it just, just the these two acts and then you're just playing with locals or is there an opener? Uh, there's locals. We use locals. Okay. Yeah, we were going to do a third act, but, um, you know, I didn't want, again, so we're, pra- we're traveling together, on, you know, in the bandwagon and stuff, which is comfortable and it's great, but it, the more important thing is that there's not another vehicle on the road putting more gas emissions and you know, and I don't want that. So I was like, you know what, let's just keep it just us two in a bandwagon. We'll share everything, we'll share the That crew. is the craziest way I've ever heard someone explain we don't want to share our catering budget in <laughs> yeah. our dressing room. Am, real, I that trans- am I that transparent? Real oh, slick, bro, brother. <laughs> you guys no, can't see right now, but I'm breaking a sweat. <laughs> no, actually, I, I think the using locals, I think is is actually great yeah. for a couple reasons. One, I think you help develop whatever local scene Absolutely. you're in. Mm-hmm. And I think the in a, having that local talent involved, they're going to directly reach people in that area in a way usually better than the support unless it's mm-hmm. obviously a very a, a well you know support band that's doing well and has right. a, and has a fan base, but mm-hmm. some of the best you know, shows, you know, God forbid did mm-hmm. were us, you know, maybe doing an off date or doing like, you know, uh, little runs that are linking up tours mm-hmm. with us and locals would do better than when we would come through on a headlining tour with a full support package. Agreed. So, yeah. you know, and, and those bands, they're always so appreciative mm-hmm. that they get to play with you and you get to meet them. And there's, there's a lot of enthusiasm, I think about yeah. that. And I think that's a good way to go, even though we still need to, to do take out younger bands and of develop course. talent. Yeah. I think the most important thing is honestly, you know, like I, I try to get involved in everything I can, you know, even when it comes to choosing locals, because I don't want to, you know, I mean, having people there is great, but I also want people who are like a good tour, but I don't want to have my audience have to sit through a band I want them to enjoy it you know yeah. I want them to enjoy their entire evening you know um, so in the situations you know when you know my agent booked something and I can have that control like you know if I do know anyone in the area like oh my god no you have to get this band. oh no you have to get this band you know and I think it's important to you know not feel like you're up here and locals are here you know what I'm saying I mean because at the end of the day like you were there you know and I think it's important to just like you know 
have have like it's a community, man. You know, and just like have that brothership, rather that brotherhood, rather. No, no, know, brothership. That brothership. The, yeah, new the, word. Yeah, yeah. New my word my ancestors came here on some brotherships. <laughs> on the brotherships. It didn't work out that well. <laughs> God damn it. Oh no. All right, so. I think I think that's you know I'm feeling pretty good about this. Uh, before we go, do you have like I said you're my you're, I think you're the independent music. You're one of the guys out there that's really blazing new new ground, and you're really for someone to look up to. What, like, what do you have any advice you have to give to people? Not even you know uh, independent uh, instrumental artists or just mm-hmm. guitar players. Just anyone who's out there trying to do it on their own. Like, what what what, what kind of advice do you give them? I mean, besides, you know, you said write good songs. I remember you said that. Write good songs, have good hair. Good hair. Um, good hair. No, honestly, I think the most important thing, I mean, beyond music, is just just make sure you're being a beautiful asset to the world. Honestly, number one. But in particular with music, again, just you know, be true to yourself. Don't follow trends if you want longevity in this industry. And you know, always try to find creative ways to cut corners, but like to save money. But just be don't. Right, but don't do it where it affects the production value or yeah. the in production, the integrity of your product, you know? Um, always be very honest with yourself. There's something that you can't do. Learn how to do it. If you don't have it in you to learn how to do it, find someone who could do it for you and learn from them. Right That's on. the most important thing. Right on. And your latest EP, it's called, you correct me if I'm wrong, The Speed of Dark Revisited? Yeah, is yeah. That, is that correct? And that's out mm-hmm. there, that's on all... What's the best place for people to buy that? Um, probably Bandcamp, Bandcamp or my web store, uh, districtlines.com backslash Angel Vivaldi, or you can right just on. Google it. Google it, and it's on <laughs> iTunes, Amazon, all that it's stuff. It's everywhere. There's right more on. CDs than anyone in the world. All right, and you can find <laughs> Angel, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at, at Angel Vivaldi, just that's his name. Me. Very simple. Mm-hmm. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. Really it's appreciate a pleasure. It. Jersey, all right? Represent.
was Angel's song, Mercurian Summer. As I couldn't say it during the podcast, and we talked about it so much, I figured I should play it as in pertaining to Mercury, the planet. I assume it means the planet. It might mean the element, but I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to assume that. But yeah, that was the song we were talking about, and it's awesome, obviously. But that's from Angel's 2011 EP, Universal Language. He also has a newer EP out called Speed of Dark Revisited, and you should check all this stuff out. I really want to thank him again for, for coming on. And you can you can follow me, guys, on social media, everything at Doc Coyle, D-O-C-C-O-Y-L-E. Add me, follow me, tell your friends. Thanks again for hanging out with me. Mamba out. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.